Sunday, Monday, rainy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, windy days. Thursday, Friday, smoggy haze. Historic drought, destructive floods. Grooving all week with you. These days have highs. Historic highs and mild lows. Heat waves and occasionally snow. And a destructive tornado. Wildfires burn most of our trees. And create displaced families. Yours and my end of days. Also starring Tom Bosley as the microphone. A wildfire broke out in the Santa Monica Mountains in 19... Not yet! Hello! (laughs) This is the first words that are coming out of my mouth right now. Introductions. So welcome to episode eight, Eight nine, nine nine and a half. Episode eight, episode nine. Just insert it wherever you want. It's kind of like Star Wars where you can do anything with it and nobody cares anymore. Mm -hmm. All right, that's the political section out of this. (laughs) So this is uh, episode fill in the blank of LA (laughs) Meekly. This is Daniel Meekly. This is Greg Meekly. Hi. Hello. Great. (laughs) <laughs> good stuff this week we'll be talking about this month excuse me we'll be talking about extreme examples of weather you know because in i didn't know that's what we're talking about should have prepared california is a long state we reach all the way up towards the north uh west thank you northwest yeah. we have a northern part of the state we have mm-hmm. a southern part of the state mm-hmm. i think there's a east there might be a west there might be a west who knows but uh we're not talking about the east and the west and the north and the south no no, no. we're talking about Dixieland. <laughs> the heart of it, you know, all the way near the bottom, sort of near the ass of the state, because it bends outward. Anywho. Presenting itself <laughs> to Australia and all the rest of those filthy Pacific Islanders. Hey, Pirate Island, you want some? <laughs> California says. People think that LA has no weather, and they're right. <laughs> for the most part, the reason for that is because the ocean breezes cool us in the summer, and they warm us in the winter, and the mountains protect mm-hmm. us from the reality of nature on all <laughs> sides of us. So in the fantasy land, we're doing fine. Yeah. They're always talking about the blue skies, you know. It's such fresh out there in California. It's it modern. Is it's fresh fr- out such there. fresh out there. It's such fresh. The rest of the country, see, they don't know how to speak of the English <laughs> like we do. <laughs> That's that traditional Valley Girl accent slipping out of me. Why am I so stupid? So there's so. Let's go to the mall. Uh. Does anybody seen my escape de board? <laughs> oh, this is why the Italian Americans doesn't like us. That reminds well, they me. They could sit on it. Despite all of this mildness that we're known for, there's some surprisingly scary things that have happened in terms of the weather over the years, and some things that will happen in the future, which I'm going to get to, and it's going to freak everybody out. And just for reference, the official measuring area for LA weather is the Civic Center Weather Station, which is on the USC campus. Mm -hmm. It used to be in the heart of downtown on the roof of a two-story parking structure at the DWP. (laughs) People would park there and homeless people would spit on it. But in July 1999, it was moved to USC. And this move, it ended up throwing all the readings off because the weather's slightly different. So Mm -hmm. it started representing LA as a slightly different place than it used to be before that. And so sometimes the records that we were looking through, they could be unreliable or shifty. The newer ones, the newer records, you're saying? Well, yeah, comparing the newer ones to, like, anything post-99, I I blame Y2K. Uh, You know what? I'm going to go ahead and jump aboard with you. People said it had no effect, one effect, and it hit us the hardest, and no one, there's no memorial for that, you know? You know what I mean? Hi. 
Okay, I'm gonna be talking about heat waves. I'd love to talk about heat waves. So far, these first six months of 2014 are making me hot, Greg. Oh boy, I'll take that off. That's the sort of humor you're gonna get for the rest of this episode. (laughs) More weather puns. So far, these first six months in 2014 have been the hottest the state has ever dealt with in comparison to the months of other years. It's nearly five degrees hotter than the 20th century average and a degree hotter than the record heat in 1934. Hottest day in California history is not LA, actually. It's in Death Valley, 134 degrees. I think that's the hottest in the world it might it's definitely one of the hottest it's one of the hottest recorded days in the planet 134 degrees july 1913 don't go to death valley the name alone should warn you don't go to death (laughs) one of the worst heat waves we've ever had was in 1955 we went through an eight-day run of 100 plus heat between august 31st and september 7th which killed 946 people what? Yeah, in LA. In LA, yeah. Nine hundred forty-six people. It's probably because of the disgusting mayonnaise-y, milky food everyone would eat. It mm-hmm. probably just boiled up in their it hot, boiled hot up. Stu- in their hot hot tummies. They had so much yogurt with mayonnaise in their body, oh with the heat stroke and everything, and limited air conditioning everywhere. It killed them. Who would have thought that superheated cottage cheese with maraschino <laughs> cherries in it could kill you? Nine hundred forty-six. Remember the nine hundred forty-six. I'll have a big people bowl of mac and cheese and then put some jello around it and then I want buried lettuce inside the cheese. And for dessert, the thickest malt ever created. (laughs) And some gin. (laughs) The worst of that run was September 1st. It was 110 degrees and it wasn't until the 8th of September that it cooled down to a nice 96 degrees. (laughs) And that was also in that period the hottest nights recorded. They like ranged between 77 and 85 degrees at like 4 in the morning when it's supposed (sighs) to cool down. Luckily, though, two years before that, 1953, air conditioners were getting popular. So a lot lot of people had air conditioning. Not everybody, though. And back then, a lot of people worked outdoors. Like, it was a lot of outdoor jobs. So that's probably where a lot of those numbers came. In 1971, we had another bad run. Burbank, around September 12th, had a five-day heat wave. Averaged about 105. The worst it got was 113. Oh, my God. Imagine that in Burbank. Imagine being in Burbank and that hot. That's why they call it Burbank. (laughs) In the 80s, you know, 80s and 90s, they're not going to be left out. There are two 13-day-long heat waves in the record from August 12, 1983, and there's another one that happens on the 29th of August in 1995. There's another one in 97. Oh, you were just getting more and more heat waves throughout the years, what I mean. You were getting, instead of like, in, you know, in 55, they measured it up to like eight days. Now in the 90s, you would have a heat wave for a couple weeks. It would cool down, then you have another heat wave. This was happening in 95 and 97. But luckily in 83... 83- Do you think the, the year, I think, this is just me, Throw depending on what year it is Let's go century, ahead and speculate. That's the temperature we get all year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Thank you. That's why we're, we're down to a nice 14 degrees. Those heat waves were outbeat because they both were, oh, 83 and 97 anyways were El Nino years. So they kind of, mm. you know, it celebrated really nice the heat wave when it, it overrained and people were waiting for that nice heat wave to come back. Two of the worst heat waves we've ever had, 2006 and 2007, were both alive. We both knew each other. We're both in the valley. That's true. Mm-hmm. July. That's probably why it happened. Finally, you know. Things are heating up. The keymaster and the gatekeeper meet. I'm so stupid. So it's July. It's 2006 degrees. <laughs> My heavens, it's July out here. <laughs> so there was a five-day heat wave that left 30 people dead during the actual heat wave. And after it, the heat subsided, another like 163 people died of like uh, heat hypothermia. Re- hypothermia. <laughs> Crank that air conditioner up of like heat-related problems that like outlasted the actual heat wave. It left a lot of animals dead too. There was 25,000 cattle that were killed and 700,000 fowl that they found dead. 
that is the record high. I'm going to top that though later on. Let's talk about dead animals. I probably the record high is also this is the the hottest day in the city. The city's record during this heat wave it was 119 in Woodland Hills. Oh God! It always goes to Woodland Hills. It always goes to Woodland Hills. 2010 there was another one. It was in September. It was in downtown. It reached a high of 113. It lasted for three days and averaged about 100 degrees the entire time. It was so sweltering hot that it broke the thermometer, the official thermometer that they used to measure it. Did the like mercury go up and mm-hmm. then it went to the top and pooled and it throbbed? Yeah, first. and then it grew a little bit. <laughs> and then it burst and it killed everyone because mercury is very poisonous. And they were looking really close at it. Get a measurement. Their eyes what do got we have mercury. here? <laughs> so studies are showing that not only is the heat intensifying, but the cold spells are also decreasing too. And the heat waves with temperatures over 95 degrees are lasting like a, a lot longer than they used to. The summer heat used to be concentrated from like July to like early October. The worst is in September, but now it's all starting in March. Like the summer heat waves are elongating now. Perfect. You know how you know, last couple of years in December near Christmas, and you can you can say it's pretty hot. It's at least like eighty eight. I could say it's eighty eight around Christmas time. I don't celebrate Christmas. What do you What do you mean? Are you a Satanist? <laughs> how do you celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Then, freak. Do you like? sacrifice i don't let's stop everything right now <laughs> i read an essay about uh, the heat waves and they were saying that something that's going on right now that's something that they call the heat island effect basically um sounds sexy i would love to be in a heat island <laughs> welcome the heat island effect can increase the temperature of urban areas and urban air by like two to what ten do you degrees. mean by urban i said turban <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Urban areas that are, you know, they're overpopulated, they're dense. It's somewhat residential and somewhat industrial. Bad areas. Basically, the population increases in the city. There's a demand for more buildings and roads. And to do this, you have to get rid of natural settings like trees and trees <laughs> and grass. These roads and buildings, though, they're made of concrete and asphalt. And they, like, absorb heat and thermal radiation and then release God. it slowly throughout the day and even at night. It just continually releases. So the days are just getting hotter. Trees and grass don't absorb heat like that. But we don't need those here in LA. Can I live in a house made of trees? I don't think so. What am I supposed to do? Smoke grass? Is that what you're telling me to do? Who am I? Abraham Lonkin? <laughs> what did I grow up in the Moodle ages? Also, we can mention global warming. The temperature also increased by like a 1.3 degrees in the past century. So about 26% of the overall building heat is due to the planet burning up, you know? <laughs> so far, the months of May and June have actually been the warmest on record for the planet Earth. Like, you know, the globe's warming up, maybe. June was the warmest on record since the, the records began in 1880. The oceans are warming as well. January was four degrees warmer than normal. February was two degrees warmer than normal. March? Four degrees. April went up two degrees, and May was almost five degrees higher than the average. It's getting warm in here, so take off all your skin, because it's gonna, we're all gonna die. It's drier than usual. It's hotter, and it's warmer than usual. Uh, it doesn't look good. I'm gonna be talking about stuff that's happening in the future. Also, I feel like this whole episode is. I feel like Al Gore should leave a review for this mm-hmm. episode because we're pretty much doing his work. His work for his him. His work for him. Yeah, we're doing his work. For I don't him. hear him on any podcasts. Not one. Al Gore. <laughs> I almost had an Al Gore voice, but it's not going to happen. I can't do an Al Gore voice. Hi, thank you for coming. <laughs> well, I say, I say. Well, I said, I said. <laughs> He's so not Southern. <laughs> it's hot. And to add to that heat, we're going to talk about something that also adds heat to our uh, atmosphere around here, to mm-hmm. the little air we breathe. Yeah, lay it on me. It's called the Senate. Aliens? <laughs> Alien ray guns that are really slow, and they, they make us think that it's global warming, but really they're burning us up like a magnifying glass of our ants. Could That's what that? my mom tells me. <laughs> my mom says, I love phone. 
shouldn't have said anything. I love you, xylophone. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Santa Ana winds, which mm-hmm. have a sort of mythological folklore around them. They're also referred to as the devil wind. Mm-hmm. Raymond Chandler called it the red wind in the story he wrote about them. Well, it's not about them, but it starts off talking about the red wind. They're strong. They're dry. They're very unpredictable. It's a desert wind that comes from beyond Palmdale and sort of rushes over us. Is there anything beyond Palmdale? <sighs> It's Palmdale than Vegas, right? If I know sleeping in a car. Supposedly, when the Santa Ana winds uh, start blowing through the city, crime rate rises, suicidal thoughts increase, people get irritable, they start suffering from headaches. The winds are strong, they rock cars, they set off alarms. I read somewhere... Are we sure you're not talking about rioters? Huh. You know, I got confused. They're both four-letter words. I searched four-letter words. I read somewhere that in the 20s, there was a small home in Pasadena that was picked up by the winds and carried over a neighbor's house and crashed into like a, the third house over. Wait a minute. Again, I destroying. think you're talking about the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> We're not in Pasadena It crashed anymore. into a house with little people. They all started rushing out. <laughs> what is this? little feet were in there. <laughs> it was disgusting. I curled them in. And then the little guy came out of the house. He met a lion line aim. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So supposedly the Santa Islands were so strong in the 20s. Picked up a house, threw it a couple of houses over level that house somewhere in pomona there's a guy working on a roof a chicken farmer and the wind picked them up and carried them 100 feet and then dropped them <laughs> i thought you were gonna say he was making a bet with the farmer next door <laughs> chickens don't fly <laughs> he's dead now he was picked up carried by the santa ana winds and then dropped the 100 feet and he's uh, dead he died by the santa ana winds death by wind it would have taken philip marlowe about 146 pages to crack that case <laughs> santa ana winds are always dry did you just call them the santa ana winds i might have said santa santa go on proceed the santa claus winds santa ana winds are, are... I don't, again i don't know who that is <laughs> <laughs> you know mistletoe presents you know this whole podcast is gonna be me like trying to tell you what christmas is christmas, <laughs> christmas. <laughs> A tree in my living room? That's not where it goes. With turkeys and hams and all sorts of goodies? No, thank you. You've got socks hanging over your mantle place. All I need is my cold soup that I've been warming on my heater. Please. Leave cookies out on the chimney? What am I, a rat collector? Santa Ana winds are always dry. It's pretty much a, a result of where they're coming from, which is like the Great Basin of Nevada and Utah. They usually come through about fall or early winter. The winds can can be really hot because they're carried over from those dry areas. And uh, they're one of the reasons why September is the hottest month in LA. They're most noticeable in like September, November, right as the rain season begins to start. But they're pretty much what's keeping the rain away. They blow the rain away? They blow the rain away. Okay. They just keep it dry around uh, areas. <laughs> Uh, they blow the rain away. Go they on. blow the rain away. They blow the rain away above the Santa Monica Mountains and in Orange County, the OC, if you will. Mm-mm. That's where the Santa Ana winds can be felt the most. They like go up to like 110 miles per hour, which is like Category Three hurricane <laughs> speed. I, a lot of the stuff I'm going to be talking about, Orange County gets hit the worst it does. for everything. It's, they it, take there are our little like if we're a porta potty, they're the little hole that everything little goes hole. into. I have no problem with that. That's where the Santa Ana winds end. Is Orange County? It carries everything from everything the, ends in Orange. County. <laughs> the American dream ends in Orange County. Then it starts again in San Diego. What makes them so strong is sort of how they they build a force. They they come from like the like I said the Great Basin of Nevada. They kind of end around Palmdale and they build up like power because of those mountain pit ranges stop. there. Yeah, pit stop. It's like a it's it holds it at bay, sort of builds up this energy, and then it's carried by the winds that are high above it. So then by the time it comes down through the mountains, it has some force to it. 
And it comes through the San Fernando Valley and goes all the way to Little Orange County over there. (laughs) These Santa Ana winds that create some of the most beautiful beach days we have, but they also are behind like some of the worst fires. Like it can Mm -hmm. make an easily controllable fire very uncontrollable. It can carry fires farther. You'll hear all about that soon. It takes sparks. It moves them wherever it wants. It creates a fire. With all the weather technology out there, you can only really predict a Santa Ana wind by like a couple days in advance. Like you can predict like the whole season, but you can't predict like when a Santa Ana is going to hit, how big it's going to be, and what like the effects are going to be. I was reading an article about this in, in the Los Angeles magazine and I mentioned this professor at UCLA the winds seem to be the opposite of precipitation instead of a flow from the ocean to the desert it goes in the opposite way so it carries all this like so it's like desert a, f- a phantom rain like a phantom rain yeah like no rain man <laughs> And then it just dries everything up and makes everybody crazy. It's part of the same like mythological wind that like uh, Western Europe has. They call it the the Foon winds. F O E H N. Foon. Foon winds. Foon winds. And also they have one in the Middle East called the Camson winds. It's just this the kind of wind that's very powerful. And it has a lot of positive ions in it. So it makes everybody, there's static electricity in the air. Everyone gets all crazy. <laughs> People just start to develop like migraines and they get nauseous. Depression <laughs> is more common during the phone winds, as well as like menstrual difficulties, insomnia, <sighs> circular problems. That prom- explains it. You're, you're right there in the cove, brother. Office sick days increase. There's more accidents. The suicide rate goes Office up. Office sick days increase. <laughs> That's what we're all worried about, isn't it? This country needs to run on time. (laughs) No more sick days when I get elected president. (laughs) No more wins either. Cough all over everything. See if I care. (laughs) You're going to type up that report. During uh, October of 2008, when the article was written, the crime statistics went up, particularly domestic abuse. All on the rise when they're sent out in the winds. People just look for any excuse. Any excuse. To do domestic abuse. This has been Daniel Meekly. Please remember. Don't beat your kid. (laughs) (laughs) These winds also carry things like pollen and dust and mold. They just make people irritable. It also picks up like powdered particles of ground up tires and landfill dust and rubble from old silver mines. And it just blasts us all (laughs) with it. So we're getting thrown with silver? Yeah, silver. Wow. That's how the silver surfer was born. It was born in California. (laughs) It's a normal naked man with a shaved head. Just any regular surfer. Mm -hmm. On the waves too much in Orange County, covered in silver. Now you can fly in space. Reading about the wind flow made me more irritable than the actual I don't want wins though. I could say that. It was not boring. I just, I don't, I kind of understood. I watched videos and like, this is how the winds build, but videos. Watch a video of the one piece of weather that isn't visible. <laughs> There's a lot of speculation about where the name comes from. A lot of people think that it originates from the Indian word of wind, which is Santana, which Spanish missionaries probably getting a good look at the brutal wind. They liked how close it was to the word Satan. And since it was a hot wind, they're like, yeah, Santa Ana, Santana, whatever they say. Or they, they thought it sounded a lot like Santana. <laughs> this music makes me want to listen a santana what about you it was a spanish missionary others say that it was named after saint anne's day which is the day the portola expedition was moving through orange county in 1769 when they first encountered the storm another suggestion that it was named after the mexican dictator antonio lopez de santa Ana. who knows i don't really care i found a couple examples of people talking about it there's a guy january 1847 there was u.s forces led by uh commodore robert stockton they're camped in the santa Ana canyon they're probably killing mexicans and you know taking over la what else do you do in the santa Ana canyon <laughs> hide in the diary they mention having to take shelter in a deep ditch and hide from the hurricane <laughs> which they noted was unusual in california and he notes the atmosphere was filled with uh, particles of fine dust and he could hardly see or breathe much of that was paraphrased actually and to quote the, the great, great commandant i can't see here <laughs> nor breathe nor breathe can i yeah there's a lot of mythology about the santa winds like i looked up the like references to it Beach Boys have a song on it. Randy Newman really? brings it up. It's, it's it's mentioned a lot. It's sort of one of 
allays things that like makes it like it's like the folklore i always when i was growing up because there were these fences next to my house that Mm -hmm. were like chain link fences i think i lived in a prison yard it sounded like it (laughs) there were dogs everywhere (laughs) and whenever the santa Ana winds would come they would make this like noise through the thing so i thought that was the sound of the santa Ana winds (laughs) but that's just wind it's It's just just wind through a fence (laughs) there's two of my favorite writers talk about santa Ana. like i mentioned before uh, raymond chandler wrote this short story called the red wind and he writes one of the best things about it i'm gonna read it if you don't mind <clears throat> the whole thing. The whole thing. Forty pages. <laughs> there was a desert wind blowing that night. It was one of those hot, dry Santa Anas that come up through the mountain passes and curl your hair and make your nerves jump and your skin itch. On nights like that, every booze party ends in a fight. Meek little wives feel the edge of their carving knife. Meek, 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 meek. It's like he's talking about us. No, it's like he predicted that two nerds were going to sit in a hot, stuffy room at CSUN. So Raymond Chandler invented podcasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, also, one of my favorite writers, Joan Didion, wrote an essay on it. Yeah, this is from Joan Didion. I recall being told when I first moved to Los Angeles and was living on an isolated beach that the Indians would throw themselves in the sea when the bad wind blew. I could see why. <laughs> the Pacific turned ominously glossy during the Santa Ana period, and one woke in the night troubled not only by the peacocks screaming in the olive trees, but by the eerie absence of surf. The heat was surreal. The sky had a yellow cast, the kind of light sometimes called earthquake weather. My only neighbor would not come out of her house for days, and there was no lights at night, and her husband roamed the place with a machete. One day he would tell me that he heard a trespasser, the next a rattlesnake. <laughs> it just makes people crazy. It's just a crazy, mm-hmm. it's crazy people. I associate it with earthquake weather also, yeah. strangely. Yeah, I do too, yeah. I think that's when the earthquake hit. That's why. What month did the earthquake hit? We should know that. Uh, uh, hey, we're not doing an episode on that yet. What do you expect from us? Have we weaky vomited all over it yet? I apologize. That was an in-joke. That was an in-joke. Honest in-joke. <laughs> Stupid. So now uh, I'm going to talk about something rare, something interesting on this podcast. Oh, finally. It's only taken nine episodes. <laughs> Eight, I think. Oh, I don't know. Who cares? No one's listening. Snow. Or as I subtitle it, <laughs> snow business like snow business. <laughs> it's not a secret. Everyone knows sometimes it snows in LA. Mm-hmm. It snows in the mountains all the time, which we all see when we drive around. But every once in a while, it gets cold enough for the snow level to drop as far as the city itself, where mm-hmm. the elevation ranges anywhere between sea level and 1,200 feet. So the reason LA doesn't get snow is obviously the temperature. Mm-hmm. We can get the moisture we need to make snow pretty easily but it has to be 32 degrees or lower and because of the warm winds from the giant ocean to the left of us the temperature rarely gets below 40 so since they've started keeping record of it in 1921 it's only snowed 10 times in downtown la which was 1922 35 47 49 50 51 52 54 57 and 62 that was the last time 62 that snowed in happened downtown a lot in the early 50s I know. Something what? was going on. Something was going on. Nuclear Cold testing. War. Oh, Cold War. That explains Cold it. War. Now I understand what that That was means. what the war was about. Yeah. We were fighting for who gets snow. Vietnam won. <laughs> so, Vietnam always wins. 1949 was probably the biggest instance that it snowed in downtown. Okay. It snowed on and off for, well, just over the whole city. It snowed on and off for three days. Oh. Downtown, it barely got a third of an inch, but other areas got as much as a foot's worth of snow. Really? Even Santa Monica got snow. Even pa- Santa Monica? Even Santa Monica. What about Venice? Too soon. Parts of the PCH got closed down. The mm-hmm. roads through the Santa Monica mountains were impossible to pass. 20 cars got trapped in Laurel Canyon. <laughs> 
Uh, Sorry. This episode, it also saw the highest demand for gas from the SoCal Gas Company. It snowed other times, even though they weren't officially recorded by the downtown weather station. Mm-hmm. I, I knew... I knew it wasn't my imagination that it snowed in Granada Hills when I was younger, and it did happen on February 8th, 1989. Granada Hills, Porter Ranch, Tarzana, they all got about five inches of snow. Really? I told you, I told everybody. I didn't, I still don't believe it. Wait, how can it snow, but you don't, you don't do Christmas? You don't get snow? I don't know what that means. <laughs> Wait, in 1989, how old are you? Three-ish? 42. <laughs> I would have been one. I would have been February nineteen eighty nine. I would have been uh, not, like not one five months old. Mm-hmm. They had an inch of snow for every month that I was alive. <laughs> they tried to kill me. I've even had eyewitness reports to this day of seeing snow on those hills north mm-hmm. of the valley when it gets really cold sometimes. Yeah. January 2007, it snowed in Malibu in the West Valley in Santa Clarita. It hailed in Venice, Mm. Santa Monica, Westwood. February 26, 2011, it snowed in Sunland, Tahunga, and even in Studio City. And I remember not that long ago that they were talking about there were some light dustings of snow on the 101 above Hollywood. That's cute. cute. The only downside with the snow is that whenever this sort of thing happens, it kills a lot of produce, especially the navel oranges, which apparently are very susceptible to cold... Mm. Mm-hmm. So their prices go up during these cold snaps, but I would gladly trade snow to never have to see a navel orange again. I hate them. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. You know what? You can go. There's a lot of places where it snows that you can go to instead. Downtown? <laughs> yeah. On top of the Arco building, which is not the Arco building anymore, but it's always going to be the Arco building to me. Double A, Arco. <laughs> Another rare thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't think about this but la county is the tornado capital of california is that right it is why is that tell me more i'm interested i've never seen a tornado or a twister i think i have you're making it up i think it was yeah tornadoes are caused by cold air blowing over a warm area Mm -hmm. since 1950 there's been about five tornadoes per year in la county with around like 43 major ones actually touching down there's never been any deaths but 45 people in la history can say they were injured by a tornado wow so tornadoes they're ranked on the fujita scale so an f0 has winds less than 73 miles per hour f1 is 73 to 112 okay f2 is 113 to 157 most of the la ones have been f0 Nine of them were F1, but five of them were F2. Wow. LA tornadoes don't look like Midwestern tornadoes because they don't take the form of a funnel cloud usually. It's yeah. just like a bunch of invisible okay. wind. The general notion that tornadoes don't happen in LA, mm-hmm. it causes a reluctance for people to officially declare certain winds to be tornadoes, which leads to nobody being prepared for it as they should be, and it causes more damage than if we had been warned that there's a tornado here. <laughs> on the other hand, we're well prepared for the aftermath of a tornado because of all the earthquake training that we have, yeah. which is just, I like to think of tornadoes as earthquakes of the sky. <laughs> Never the two shipmates. So most of the tornadoes that hit here, they tend to stay in one place, but mm-hmm. one in 1966, it cut a 10.3 mile path from Torrance to Paramount. Wow. One went from Inglewood to near LACMA. One went from Long Beach to Cerritos. And one went from South LA to downtown. In 2010, people were evacuated from the area that got hit by the station fire, which I'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Another tornado hit the Long Beach area and threw catamarans all over the um. place. That priceless catamaran collection in Long Beach. <laughs> Ruined. Ruined. This was part of a storm that also caused flooding in Long Beach and San Pedro, which we'll all stop yeah. later. 
The biggest tornado in LA history was March 31st, 1983. In the 80s. In the 80s. So, uh... In the 80s. Sorry, go ahead. Too much singing. Too much singing today. So at 7.40 a.m., an F2 tornado with speeds of over 113 miles per hour touched down 51st Street in South L.A. It went up along the 110, Mm -hmm. and it was polite. It crossed over to the 10. Very nice. Check both ways. (laughs) It ended up at Olympic, where it dissipated at 8.05 after leaving a trail of destruction three and three quarters mile long and a third mile wide. People that heard it, they said it sounded like a thousand freight trains passing by. (laughs) It ripped down power lines and damaged buildings. It did $3 million worth of damage to the convention center. There's a lot of pictures of that. 30 people were injured. So 30 out of the, what, 45 people that have been injured was in in these 20 minutes or so. Just this past March, also, there were some tornado warnings in L.A., so it's always happening. So it disappears to us as strong winds? Yeah, I mean, you'll see... You'll you'll see like dogs and stuff flying <laughs> around in it also, but it won't look like a like a funnel. Okay, yeah, the, it won't be you know the traditional twister yeah, that we all come to love. <laughs> that that iconic thing that we all grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever watch that Fifty Show Tornado? Just footage of tornadoes <laughs> with Millie I, Perkins. I only saw the Christmas special, and I what is Christmas? <laughs> I saw the December special. I saw the end of the year special, as I call it. <laughs> New Year's, no end of the year. No, about six days before that. <laughs> I believe it's your turn to talk a little bit. I'm going to be talking about one of the most iconic things in LA, which is smog. We're going to be talking about smog now. I don't think smog warrants its own episode because it's not boring, but um, we're not going to talk about <laughs> smog for that very long. But smog uh, definitely is something that it's a defining characteristic of Los Angeles. and It's all people care about. Yeah, it's all they come here Wh- for. Yeah. I have a I have a postcard of just brown haze. <laughs> yeah, our, our air is toxic. It's it's really bad for us. And the root of the problem is also tied to what defines our city and the landscape. But I'll, I'll get to that in a bit. The 40s was the worst decade for smog in LA. They, they refer to it as severe smog. There's actually a day. They tracked it down to a day when smog first really introduced itself to the city. It's July 26, 1943. There's pictures of it, too. Oh, my God. that was It's like almost the anniversary today that we're recording this. Oh, but you're right. And I didn't get smog anything. Oh. <laughs> Do you have any tires I can burn? <laughs> Make a sacrifice to smog. To commemorate the anniversary, I didn't get a smog check. <laughs> You're welcome. I ripped out the muffler, the muffler, the <laughs> catalytic converters out of every car that I've seen. It's just here. a sham anyways. They're just trying to make more buck, more buck. <laughs> Who cares if the sky looks like diarrhea? But the city suffered from smog like long before this. Industrial smoke and fumes were so thick during one day in 1903 that residents mistook it for an eclipse of the sun. <laughs> Rubes. They uh, really knew nothing about nothing. anything back then. They were just sitting on top of factories, just like, whatever. <laughs> Is the earth in the sky today? <laughs> yes, mother. Go back in your hole. <laughs> Please, I have to build a Model T. <laughs> I'm creating automobiles, mother. <laughs> now, Hank, you get off that factory now. I told you, mother. I am Henrik. <laughs> Heinrich Ford, I've told you several times. And history will remember me as Heinrich Fjord. <laughs> From 1905 to about 1912, uh, city council adopted several measures to combat these dense smoke emissions that they hadn't really figured out what they were yet. As we move through the decades, so the city starts to sprawl and industry starts to boom. The city starts pushing for these air pollution control measures, although, like I said, they didn't really have an idea of what smog was yet. It was just, this, you couldn't see the mountains for some reason. Um, <laughs> we need more visible mountains. <laughs> so World War II happens, you know, every Every story we have to hit World War II or the riots. End of depression. End of depression. Our depression. 
World War II dramatically increases the city's industrial base and that results in more air pollution. The city's population and motor vehicle fleet grew rapidly as well. More cars on the road. One of the most defining things about LA is how we're all sprawled out. You know, it's, it's distance. And the whole thing is like, well, if you get a car, you can go anywhere you want. That trolley's not going to take you. Where When we build these freeways, that trolley's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, as a result, uh, according to weather records, visibility starts declining between 1939 to 1943. Pollutant smoke was so dense and pervasive, it constituted as a serious menace to aviation. They like considered moving uh, an airport. I forget what, like Pomona, I think they considered moving the spot because they couldn't see because the smoke was so God. dense. July 9th, 1943, thousands of people in downtown LA were so bothered by the burning, stinging eyes that they telephoned from the police department to ask if aircraft plants were carrying out smoke screen tests, which they did during World War II. The director of war activities though, of the police department recorded that there was no smoke test being conducted and this mysterious airborne irritants quickly dissipated. But three weeks later, it experienced the worst of the smog events of the 40s. So it happens, like I said, July 26, 1943. Happy birthday. Residents of LA suspected of chemical warfare attack from the Japanese. Oh my God. I know. The brown smeared fog that hung over downtown was irritating folks' eyes. Their nose was running. They were suffering from headaches. There's an oppressive brown cloud right over downtown LA. It lasted for four hours and it was so thick that it limited visibility from up to like three blocks and it caused like all these health problems. Many complained, like I said, eye irritation. They had respiratory difficulties. They were coughing. Some were vomiting and people were getting nauseous. Sounds like any day in downtown LA. Yeah. Have you been down Los Angeles Street? Not very nice. Looking for a scapegoat, they they blamed the SoCal Gas Company's Aliso Street plant for the thick clouds because they were a manufacturer of this ingredient uh, known as uh, butadine? 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 Mm-hmm. butadine? 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 They manufactured this ingredient for synthetic rubber called butadine and they thought that that was... What's that name? Butadine! Um, Say it again! <laughs> butadine. butadine! 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 So much singing! <laughs> yeah, that happened the next day. Like The very next day they're already like, it's at least our street plan. That's the one that's doing it. So they closed it. <laughs> Completely shut down and the plant. And it's that monster they've created. <laughs> it's that Frankenstein fellow that plays the organ at the downtown theater district. <laughs> so that same year, you know, people were, were so bothered by this thick cloud that they, they still hadn't figured out what it was called. That it was that was his first introduction to L.A. was this this day in 1943. It was his coming out party. It's coming out his debut. <laughs> I'm ready for my close-up. <laughs> LA created the Smoke and Fire Commission to study the problem and in 1945. The city issues the first air quality regulations banning the burning of trash in, in suburban backyards, which is something people used to do, apparently. I know at least one person that still does that. Really? Yes. I'm going to ask questions off mic. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I have a lot of trash that could burn. <laughs> I am living. <laughs> I got a lot of evidence. I got to burn up a lot of bloody clothes. The sanitation department's striking my house. <laughs> so after they close the Aliso Street plant, they spend like uh, $1.5 million in a couple of years later to kind of bring it back, but they eliminate all the butadine fumes from that place. I guess they rerouted the way it pumps out into the air. They just pumped it straight into the water supply instead. (laughs) You don't want it in the air? Drink it. I'll tell you where to go. So it's learned in 1947 that this mysterious fog was actually coming from us, our cars, the, the symbol of living in Los Angeles. The fumes from the tailpipes were the source of the smog problem, and the brown hue was a product of the ozone, which was uh, when like partially unburned exhaust from the automobiles and the hydrocarbons from oil refineries are hit by sunlight. It creates that brown haze. Imagine the revelation. It was us all along. <laughs> it's the best Twilight Zone episode. After they kicked all Japanese people out of the city. <laughs> all Japanese people and gas suppliers. <laughs> they had to take all these big buses over to like Santa Anita, and it was just pumping smoke, and they're like, nope, it's the Japs that are doing it. The bus does 
doesn't look like that when I'm in it. <laughs> so like I was saying, sprawl leads to distance. You know, we, the more we sprawl, the bigger the city gets, which allows for overpopulation, and that leads to traffic. There's so many people on the road. We all have our own cars, and there used to be like advertisements like, ah, oh, there's a car for every household, every member of the family, you know? Um, Even junior. All these things are, are tangled up from the very thing that makes, like I was saying, the city unique, like our sprawl, our distance, our, our cars that get us around all this. That's why smog is like a defining characteristic, because that's all tied to what makes our city what it is. What we it can't is. have one without the nope. other. Very rich children. <laughs> also about the city, like you brought up before, we have a long history of like bragging about our fresh air and how proud we are of it. Around coastal areas, it might seem fresh. You know, Kenny went to Venice to kin and cured his asthma, mm -hmm. but smog still looms over overpopulated areas like Vernon and Maywood. I think Vernon is where uh, it's very industrial. It's densely populated. It smells really funky because of the Farmer John meatpacking building. Uh. It, it's it's one of those areas that just produces a lot of smog. It's, it's a heavy industrial area. If you look at photos of smog in the 40s, it really shows how much of a beast it was. Like, I don't think it's as bad now as it was then. Yeah, I it's think it's so supposed thick. to be getting better. Yeah, it's supposed to be Because getting... I drive a hybrid. That's why. <laughs> Hybrids are the problem. Hybrids are the problem. Yeah, I was looking at the pictures. I'm like, this is the Dust Bowl. It looks like the Dust Bowl. Yeah. Like, you can barely see buildings. Smog cup. Smog cup. <laughs> Some days were so bad that parents decided to keep their kids home from school. Athletes took their training indoors. Farmers uh, found their crops withering away from the toxic air. People were flocking to Did doctors. Did they affect the navel oranges? No, they made them stronger. That's how we, I that's want how we them have gone. <laughs> I want them gone. I don't care what it takes. You got to make it snow. You got to make it smog. Whatever you got to do, do it. Brown snow. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I could make brown snow. I could make yellow snow, but I prefer to make brown snow. People were flocking to doctor's offices. The people who already had respiratory problems were going in. They're all short of breath. Their eyes were irritated. They also said it smelled like bleach, which I thought was weird because it doesn't, certainly doesn't smell like bleach. Doesn't, I mean, bleach. Um, Maybe it wasn't smog. Maybe it actually was the Japanese. <laughs> they got us. So now we're out of the Italian American Historical Society. Japanese, Ameri Japanese American Americans American are not going to like us. No. The Smog American Historical Smog Society. American Smog Sorry. the Dragon Historical Society. We're giving enough airtime. What does the Smog want? We remembered its birthday. Any publicity is good publicity <laughs> for a dragon. In 1954, the members of the Highland Park Optimist Club, Optimist like glasses, not Optimist like they feel good. Mm. Optimist Club attended a banquet wearing small gas masks. There's a picture of it. It's really neat. They even had a Miss Smog fighter of 1951, Helene Stanley. This was done to get uh, support for anti-smog measures, but I'm sure she took it very seriously. <laughs> very, very seriously. <laughs> Through the 50s and 60s, LA was getting a lethal amount of smog for about like 200 days of the 365 days of the year. That's it? <laughs> That's it. It's only like an overwhelming amount of days that we had to suffer it. That's when you can start seeing color photos of that era, and it really does identify this like brown orange haze. It does look really disgusting. In in like those old Kodachrome film, it looks really bad. But then again, it makes the sunsets look really nice. It does make sunsets look so, really nice. I mean, because the air above us is burning because it's toxic. <laughs> you got to pick one or the other. <laughs> do you want to live in a nice city or a nice city? Over the following decades, and to this day, really, we, we do the best we can to limit air pollutants. It's still a real problem. It's always going to be, like, just the way the city works now. Until it's we always, go more electric. Until we go more electric, until we have jetpacks. Although, what, what's the jetpacks going to run on? L.A. is doing a lot better than other places because we're so eco-friendly here. But still, like, you can't get all the cars on the road to be electric. So it's still going to be a problem. And we're very eco-friendly, but it's still like, it's like a pig wearing makeup. It's like a pig wearing makeup. We're good. We're eco-friendly. <laughs> I want to go to prom. <laughs> so in 1974, after Upland, Upland, California, not LA, but I apologize. We sprawled out for right, this one. I'm going to tune out for a little bit. <laughs> after I Upland. 
<laughs> Sing Randy Newman. In 1974, after... Too much singing. In 1974, after Upland had the nation's last stage three smuggler, Governor Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, the actor? Governor Ronald Reagan urged everyone to, you know, limit but all but necessary auto travel and take it slow on the road. Drive it a little slower. Maybe that'll help. Unless you're know. going to the Jelly Belly factory. Unless you're going to the Jelly Belly factory. In that case, pedal to the metal. <laughs> Fill it up with coal. We gotta get there quick. <laughs> the 70s also sees the, the Clean Air Act come into place, which aimed at limiting emissions from both industrial plants and motor vehicles. We created in California... And uh, later, it's going to be adopted by the entire country. In 1984, that's when they began the California Smog Check Program. That you know, every time you register your car, want to renew your tags, they make you have your car certified to ensure your car is emitting like low levels of toxic pollutants instead of just a, like like you said, a, a coal burning train. <laughs> In '89, they began pushing for carpooling and public transport for citizens to get around, as well as electric vehicles, which were primitive at the time, but they were still coming around. In 1990, President George Bush, number one, he signed the Clean Air Act amendments for the entire country, which were based on, like I said. Our, our Clean Air Act that we had. A desired effect was to curb ozone, acid rain, and toxic pollutants. And it, it seemed to have worked because, you know, although if you watch enough 90s TV, they always have that shot of like downtown <laughs> and it's just like, ugh. Mordor. Oh, it's Mordor. Despite all these pushes to get the, the air clean, it's still a major cause of a lot of health problems, particularly in more urban areas because it's just a lot of people in smaller areas and always Again, industrial. What do you mean by urban? You know that I mean minority areas. Oh, you mean like where you live? <laughs> <laughs> Used to. It used to be one of those places. Now it's Junior Silver Lake. In 1987, they conducted lung autopsies on over 1,100 people who were killed in like auto accidents or that were murdered. And they found that 27% of them had severely damaged lungs. So then there's a link. The ah. killer must have been... <laughs> Ronald Reagan. I would have got away with it if it wasn't for you pesky kids and that smog up there. In 2001, USC conducted a survey of the health of over 1,700 young children and found that over an eight-year period, those who lived in smogging conditions were five times more likely to have low-level lung function. Childhood asthma rates have risen as high as like 14% in those smoggy areas. 2005, they did a statewide survey and found that 9,600 people die from air pollution-caused ailments every year. You compare that to 3,200 who die in car crashes and 2,000 who are murdered. <laughs> There's about 3,400 trucks, 16 ships that arrive daily at LA and Long Beach ports. They create more than a third of air pollution with very little regulation as far as I can tell. There's, there's that. Have you ever been on a 710 freeway going to Long Beach? It's just those big shipper trucks and they're just pumping it out, pumping it out. And many say that traffic in a, is going to quadruple in 20 years. So you got Great. that going for you. Perfect. We have it better now, like I said, but it's still bad. We're working again the smog because there's a lot of like citizen activism and there's a lot of scientific advances in emissions there's there was a landmark environmental legislation passed which allows the epa to regulate air pollutants so we have a lot like i said going on la is uh, very eco-friendly they're very conscious of our health and stuff but it's smog's not going anywhere mm -mm. smog Good. city Good. It's no longer, I don't think it's top 10 in the world anymore, but we are number one, I'm pretty sure, in our country. <laughs> I think China takes the cake. Like, like, I guess that feels good. Uh, finally, China wins something. <laughs> We're number one in a lot of awful things in LA. Yeah, we are. Headshots. Make, make <laughs> the headshot capital of the world. <laughs> what else are we known for? So, uh, hey, Greg. Yes? What comes to town every year gets on my nerves and ruins all my stuff. Uh, my mother-in-law? Wildfires. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's one thing that LA does right. It's a horror <laughs> that you can depend on happening every year. Mm -hmm. And there's so many that have happened, big and small, but we're just going to talk about some of the biggest and the most important ones. Because can I ask a question? 
Yes, How Greg. can I prevent forest fires? Uh, only you. <laughs> Proceed. So the first big fire in LA history, we've talked about it a little bit before. It was uh, on October 3rd, 1933 in a little place I like to call Griffith Park. Mm, the curse of the park. Griffith Park. Oh, this is... Every episode since that episode has just been proof supporting that Griffith Park yeah. is cursed. Yep. So it was the heart of the depression at the time. There were 3,780 workers that were clearing brush in the mineral wells area of the park as part of a New Deal program to get the economy going again. So on this day, it was 100 degrees. And then at around 2 p.m., a man in a dark suit was seen running away from near the golf course clubhouse uh-huh. where uh, people found, they said, where where, where are you going? And That's they hard f- to get to, too. They, that, for fire trucks to get to, that's yeah, really oh hard. God. They found a little fire started in a pile of dead leaves, which was probably just like some, he threw, someone threw out a cigarette and it started this fire. Some of the workers, they were ordered to go over to it and stamp it out with shovels. Okay. So not surprisingly, beating a fire with shovels uh, didn't put it out. Out and it started to spread. So then more workers who were being paid 40 cents a day, mind you, got bigger shovels. They, they got, they got they snow got, shovels. What else we got? We got rakes. <laughs> they were hit it with wood. <laughs> they were ordered to try to stop the fire, and the ones that refused were threatened to be fired. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm sure, Good job. I'm sure the foremen were having fun with that Real one. boy. So the workers who had no experience at all in firefighting, obviously, they decided that fighting the fire with shovels wasn't working. Mm-hmm. So why don't they fight fire with fire? So they started lighting backfires around the area to prevent the original flare from spreading any further. And then at 3 p.m., the Santa Ana winds shifted and the fire spread through the entire canyon that they were in. And this thing got very scary now. So the fire started eating its way around the entire canyon. The only way out of it was to climb to the top of the hill and oh get to the other side, like get into Hollywood. Yeah. And not everyone made it. Survivors said that you could trace the path of the fire by listening to the screams as people all around you were burning to death. Wow. The, it was just the whole canyon was just echoing with screams and in all 29 people were killed 150 were injured making it the deadliest fire in LA history and the second deadliest in the US all the charred bodies they found were facing towards the summit with their arms outstretched to try to get to My. the top God. Did we mention that Griffith Park is cursed? <laughs> when the real firefighters showed up, they managed to limit the extent of the damage to just 47 acres, but they found that most of the victims weren't killed by the original fire, but by the backfires that they were all oh, setting to fight wow. it. So not only were these workers being paid 40 cents a day, the courts decided that the workers who got injured from this weren't entitled to workers' comp. Mm-hmm. It was the New Deal. Yeah. <laughs> a few years later, President Roosevelt came to visit to unveil a bronze statue to commemorate the victims. But then in 1938, a huge flood washed it away. <laughs> Again, did we mention that, that Griffith <laughs> Park is cursed? So then in recent years, they planted 29 trees there in honor of the 29 that were killed. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, that's just 29 more trees that can burn again. <laughs> so it was ruled in arson, but they never found who did it. The LA Times blamed it on communists, okay. but the man running away in the dark suit was never found. So some other minor major wildfires. In 1938, 24 square miles of the Santa Monica Mountains burned after a rancher threw out some ashes. Mm-hmm. In 1961, a fire in Beechwood Canyon destroyed 24 homes before 67 mile per hour winds 
blew it towards the observatory and it would have destroyed it but all the firefighters put like huge effort into protecting it yeah in 1961 as well 55 mile per hour winds blew a fire from bel air into brentwood it ended up destroying 484 homes 21 buildings over 6090 acres were burned while at the same time there was a second fire burning Mm -hmm. in benedict canyon and at the same time there was a third fire burning in woodland hills The next really historic fire was in 1970 as Mm -hmm. part of what became known as the California Fire Siege. So on September 25th, 1970, my birthday, Mm -hmm. after almost 200 days of the city not receiving any rain, Mm -hmm. three separate fires broke out across LA. There was the Clampett Fire in Newhall that Mm -hmm. started by some downed power lines, the Wright Fire in Malibu, which started in a garbage dump, and then the Agua Dulce Fire in Agua Dulce which is where Antibarcio Vasquez would hang out. I think he had something to do with this. It was the lesser of the three, that one. Mm -hmm. So the Clampett fire was the biggest, and it got even bigger when, again, 80-mile-per-hour Santa Ana winds kicked in and blew it into Malibu to connect with the Wright fire. So think about that for a second. It blew 20 miles from Santa Clarita through the valley into Malibu, and it destroyed pretty much the West Valley. Uh It burned down Spawn Ranch. Oh, when I was the doing Manson family spawn ranch? When I was doing research, I ended up on like the Manson family blog and they were talking <laughs> about like this tragic day for them. So it connected with the Wright Fire to become the biggest fire in LA history up to that point. 157,058 acres were burned, Jesus. 357 homes were destroyed, and five people were killed. The fire was so horrible, it led to laws providing for the clearance of brush in the hills and a ban on flammable roofing materials. Okay. So the reason that this was during the California fire siege it was because at the same time that this was happening, there were two big fires burning in Ventura County. And then the next day, another fire started in San Diego that burned 175,425 <laughs> acres. So God. between September and November of this year, there were multiple huge fires burning all over California that destroyed a combined total of 600,000 acres, which is about 937 square miles. And to compare that, Los Angeles City covers 503 square miles. So almost two Los Angeleses were destroyed. And then before the next big one hit, there was a steady stream of fire destruction through the years. 1933, another fire in Malibu and Topanga burned 16,516 acres destroyed 739 homes and killed three. October 2007 saw the entire coast from Santa Barbara all the way down to San Diego on fire. Nine dead, 85 injured, 1,500 homes destroyed. LA got it worse there in Santa Clarita and Malibu. The big one was in 2009. There were a lot of fires this year, but this one was the biggest. There were seven other fires going on in the state at this time. And then a fire broke out in the Angeles National Forest in the La Cañada, Flint Ridge, Sunland, Tahunga area near a ranger station, which is why it got the name the Station Fire. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask about that. That was a radio thing. (laughs) Go ahead. So over 10,000 homes were evacuated as the fire spread into Pasadena and Glendale. Mm -hmm. It started August 26th. It wasn't declared 100% contained until October 16th, which means that it burned for almost two months straight. Two firefighters were killed, 89 homes destroyed, 209 structures damaged. It burned 160,557 acres, surpassing the Clampett Fire, making it the largest fire in L.A. history and the 12th largest wildfire in California history. It cost $95 million to fight it. It was an arson fire, but the culprit was never caught. Investigations were launched into why this fire got so bad, and they found that there was a lot of underestimation of like how dangerous this was and yeah. hesitation 
in fighting it, so it let it get out of hand. And there was also a law saying that there couldn't be any water drops at night, so that made things even oh worse. So the law got repealed after. This. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of wildfires in LA history. This is this is just a tiny number of them. Yeah. All these fires took place in the fall and usually had the help of their good friend, the Santa Ana winds. And what's worse is that all these places that I just talked about that had all these fires are at just as high a risk of burning today as they were then. And the scary thing is that this entire city is buried under dry brush, that in some areas it hasn't burned in decades. And this has been an especially dry year for us. So it's going to be a fun fall. Oh, it certainly is. It is. They say it might be the driest year on record since they started doing records since we became a state in like 1850. And they're looking at the rings on sequoia trees <laughs> to see like when the, the last spell was that was just dry. And they said it might be like 1580, like maybe 500 <laughs> years ago. Conveniently moves right into drought, which we're going to talk about right now. Rainfall, 2011, we have 12 inches. That's decent. The average of the city's 15 inches. A little bit of a dip in 2011. 2012, we got eight inches. Oh, no. That's kind of scary. 2013, we get two inches <laughs> of rain. It's ridiculous. Halfway through 2014, we've had less than one inch. Perfect. Perfect stuff. There was a lot of hope that we'd have like an El Nino this year. They, they're kind of predicting it early, but it's starting to look like it's not going to happen. So we're going to continue yeah. then this direction. 2008, reservoir levels were well below the average. And California State was going through its like driest period, like I said, in uh, 88 years. And up to that point, it was it was a lot earlier. Governor Schwarzenegger declared the actor? declares it as a drought our first uh, drought declaration in 17 years at the moment some of our major reservoirs are less than half full 10 of the 12 state reservoirs are below 50 percent of their total capacity some as low as 20 percent the largest federal reserve in california like shasta is at 36 percent right now if you see pictures of them it's just like a watermark and then brown streaks and then a puddle of water is that where they get the soda yeah, that's really the Shota, like Shasta. The Shota. Come to the Shota. Yeah, they're, they're, they're saying that this is like the worst drought we've had in California history. Knocking on the park, not only is it getting hotter, mm-hmm. the air is polluted. Santa Island winds are there. It's dry. Wildfire season's coming up. Between 2006 and 2007, which again, had two of the most deadly heat waves in the summer, we were short nearly a foot of rain between July 2006 and June 2007, just 3.2 inches, which is closer to Death Valley's numbers. <laughs> so just to school you on a lesson about how we get our water, there's three main sources of water. There's the Sierra Nevada snowpack, which mounts the ice and it comes down through Central Valley. And that's what gives water to all the produce and stuff. California is like a major provider of the entire country's fruit produce and uh like livestock and because it's so dry we've been losing a lot of money almost like a a billion dollars in (laughs) revenue because of this dry period we borrow from the colorado river and then there's just the groundwater basin water that we use that's the three sources of water that we have what about bottled water bottled water can't we just use that it's coming from switzerland though let's drain them yeah a decade ago in 2004 california agreed to stop using more than its share of the colorado river water that's like a major uh import for us for water like i was saying we're you know we're losing more like a billion dollars in revenue because of our dry period which is affecting a lot of people and they're going to pour another 500 million in for groundwork pumping they want to pump water but the problem with that is the deeper you go the more chance that there's salt and chemicals in the water. And it's also a short-term answer. Like, we can pump water. The earth's deep. Yeah, the earth's deep, right? The core is filled with water, right? This is more of a problem. I mean, it's a problem for all of us. It's going to be a problem for the Italian country. It's more of a problem for, like, the San Joaquin Valley and Central Valley because they're getting the effects immediately. LA, like I was saying before, we're very eco-friendly, but it's put this idea that, like, oh, nothing can touch us. So we might be... um, 
sort of like ignoring the problem and wasting all our water because they're saying that we could be in the middle of what's called a mega drought they're saying it could last for more than a decade a mega drought lasts for two more than two decades and they say we might be at the beginning of that because that we're just getting less and less water and more heat and everything's dry the state's drought has reduced river water from central valley farms by roughly like a third of their normal level the amount of groundwater pumping is doubling in some areas such as like the like i said the tulare basin in san joaquin valley this has kept the agricultural losses from like spiraling out of control but it, like i said not a permanent solution for this like pumping groundwater the snow from the Sierras only produced 29% of its normal amount of water, like the lowest reading since 1988. Your birthday. That was a year you born. What's the problem with you? That's 32% of its annual average. Some of the solutions are having Governor Brown wants to transfer water to locations that need it the most. My house, whatever. <laughs> my water bottles. This room. This room. Right now. Maybe I'm turn so a sprinkler thirsty. on. He's also asking residents to lessen water consumption before he begins rationing it, which I believe has happened in Northern California. I think they, they begin rationing water in like San Francisco, I think. There's also a $500 fine for over water use. It's starting to get serious now. So the, like I said, the effects of the drought, farming's going to start to collapse. California is responsible for 15% of the country's produce, over 7% of the livestock. If, you know, if they could survive the heat, you know, we've already talked about dead animals. <laughs> so much California revenue is at stake because of this that we're not going to be able to put food on plates. Food on plates. Food prices are going to rise up because of this. Well, we can't eat dirt anymore. <laughs> we've had droughts before. I mean, uh, pretty bad droughts. 1817 to 1913 was one. That's almost 100 years. 100. With its worst year between 1863 and 1864, it was a really dry spell in 1924. I'm going to tell you something that happened a year before that started. Oh, boy. They, they were glad to have that. They were, strangely, I was reading, is, this all comes from a chart called droughts and floods and a lot of years are correlating like we had we would have a drought and then like we'd have over too much water oh why is that let's get to it we will okay there was a really dry spell in 1924 be that careful made... what you wish for is the answer <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna fill this room with water there was a really dry spell in 1924 <laughs> that made the state reconsider and re-envision how irrigation would would fill up the whole city the dust bowl droughts between uh, 1928 and 1935 build this desire for irrigation and water storage on like a bigger scale so we saw the construction of the federal central valley project system of canals and pumps and aqueducts that like pretty much keep this they keep us wet you know what i mean this conversation <laughs> just is keeping me wet keep, uh, all oiled down here the droughts of 47 to 50 and they had another one 59 to 60 they helped to justify uh, investment in state water project which irrigates central valley and keeps water moving in los angeles so every drought at the end of it had us reconsidering how we're gonna take in water how we're gonna move water around the city so and then nothing really changing yeah and then somehow we're here again right? <laughs> the equivalent of a rain dance <laughs> one of the biggest droughts we dealt with was between 1976 to 1977 at the end of the damp season of 1976 damp not wet uh, rainfall levels were at like 65 percent of the norm reservoirs were drying up just like they are now there was barely any snowfall from the sierras 1977 rolls around and it's marked as the driest year on record before we got here <laughs> 47 in california is 58 counties declared a local drought emergency, making them eligible for relief money on both the state and the federal level. The drought is credited with sparking water conservation movements across the state that helped encourage urban residents to refrain from typical household routines like watering lawn, washing cars, flushing showering. toilets, showering for days on end, <laughs> washing clothes. I was watching the Dogtown uh, and Z-Boys documentary. This is... That was last month. Oh, boy. They talk about skating pools happened in this era because all the pools were empty. Yeah. And that's when they first started that's doing right. it. And it was during this drought. We could have been the scuba dive, the back <laughs> Backyard scuba diving capital of the world instead. Um, what a world. What a world. What a world. What we have going for us is all the precipitation levels fluctuate. Like you read about droughts that lasted for what, more than 100 years. They just turn around. There's going to be a, there's gonna be a flood any day now. California water systems are some of the best in the world. LA, like I said, is very eco-friendly, which is why we run, you know, fountain 
mountains and raging waters night and day. You want water? <laughs> I will give you water. The saying here that we have in LA is when it rains, it rains. It doesn't rain a lot, yeah. but when it does rain for longer than three minutes, it can be disastrous, especially in the areas that just a few months earlier got entirely raised in a wildfire. <laughs> the highest one day total of rain in LA was on January 23rd, 1943, was 26.12 inches, which in some areas of wow. the city was 70% of the yearly rainfall in one day. Wow. It was also the greatest one day amount of rain in California history as a whole. Yeah. So the climate of LA, it used to be be a lot different. The LA River didn't used to drain to the ocean so far south, yeah. so it mostly let out onto the land, which created a wetland environment in a lot of the LA basin area. Yeah. So it was a very like it was more marshy, lush. There were you know swamps, stuff like that, like cartoons, like when you watch a cartoon and they're in a meadow. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like mm, heaven. <laughs> it was all pretty nice, and then two of the biggest floods in LA history changed that forever. So the first big one, it was 1815. There was a 10-day storm, and it washed a bunch of rocks and fallen trees down the LA River, mm -hmm. and all of this junk. It sort of reached the Elysian Narrows, which yeah. as far as I can tell, it's in the like generally the Elysian Park area. Right. So it all bunched up and it formed a sort of like natural, unnatural dam that was between 10 and 15 feet high that mm -hmm. stretched to just below Chinatown. Yeah. So in addition Forget to... It. Forget what? So in addition to washing away the original Pueblo de Los Angeles, uh -huh. it, uh, did? it did. It washed it away. What it also did, it shifted the LA River southwest. It went through what is now Main Street in Los Angeles, which is just south or east of Broadway. Yeah. It went towards Exposition Park to Bologna Creek to drain into the Santa Monica Bay. And wow. things stayed stable that way with this giant dam there <laughs> until 1825, April of that year. It was a pretty hard rainstorm, but it didn't last that long and everything seemed fine. Meanwhile, the rain in the mountains didn't stop. <laughs> so then at midnight, a huge rush of water poured through the river and it was so strong, it shattered that giant dam and the surge was so powerful that it shifted the river east again and it cut away a bluff on the slope of the mountainside, which became known as Peridon Blanco, which is today known as Boyle Heights. Oh. And then this new path that eventually reached all the way down to the San Pedro Bay, which is where the river now drains today. That is so funny far uh, it's horrifying so that far. something could be that powerful so then since the river was no longer running through the heart of the city all those marshes and wetlands uh -huh. they started to dry up and a lot of the forests that were in the area they started to die and slowly the city decayed into what it is today <laughs> because things never stay fine for very long in la not 40 years later the biggest thing ever to happen to california happened after two star wars <laughs> star wars premieres after, like you were saying, after two really dry decades, on December 24th, 1861, it started to rain finally. So between then and January 21st, 1862, it only stopped raining for two days. That's 28 out of 30 days that it was raining. Oh my God. California got hit the worst, but the storm stretched all the way north into British Columbia. It went into Nevada, Utah, Arizona, and even northern Mexico. Wow. A third of the state's property was destroyed. One in eight homes were destroyed. Levees crumbled. 200,000 cattle were drowned. Oh, no, if they're not burning, they're drowning. The moose must have They're been singing heard. the moose. So it was the worst flooding that the state had ever seen. Sacramento was 
covered all of Sacramento under 10 feet of water for over three months. Really? Sometimes the water levels were rising a foot an hour. The governor had to take a rowboat to his inauguration <laughs> before they decided, all right, we got to relocate the capital. And they moved it to San Francisco for a little bit. The worst thing that happened, the Sacramento and San Joaquin Valleys, which is pretty much the entire center of the state, yeah. it was a lake. Wow. It was a lake 250 to 300 miles long and 20 miles wide of just water. Water. A lake. It was a huge lake in the middle of the state. In LA, they got the full 28 days of rain with a total of 35 inches. It flooded the LA River. It put most of the valley underwater. Mm -hmm. It created lakes in several places between downtown and the ocean. Orange County got hit the worst and Anaheim so. was rumored to be destroyed, but we're not talking about uh, Orange County and mm, also who never cares? again nobody cares I wish they would have separated I wish <laughs> they would have created a peninsula in Santa Ana and that's where it stops and they drifted away the state had to file for bankruptcy and in today's dollars this caused between one to two billion in damages Ooh. nothing huge happened after this for a few more decades in January 1914 a storm hit LA that was so powerful that the ocean was pounding on the beaches so hard that people living nearby thought that there was an earthquake happening. Oh my God. This same storm, it destroyed the El Segundo Pier. It caused mm -hmm. $10 million in damages. The year after that, they decided to open up the LA County Flood Control District as a way to sort of plot how to prevent more things like this happening mm -hmm. in the future. So they built some dams and channels, but it wasn't until two other huge floods in the 30s that made them ask for federal assistance to tame the LA River. So first one, late in 1933, there were some big wildfires that mm -hmm. burnt 7,000 acres in the forest above La Crescenta. Mm -hmm. So then on New Year's Eve, it started to rain a lot. And then two, Yay, rain. <laughs> finally, yeah. two minutes after midnight, with champagne and kisses still on people's lips before they could even decide on their New Year's resolutions, a 20-foot-high wall of mud and water oh came God. roaring down the Pickens Canyon. It unleashed onto La Crescenta and Montrose. Hundreds of homes were destroyed. 45 peoples were died. A lot of orphans were created. Some of the bodies were found days later in San Pedro Harbor, which is what? 40 miles. That's 40 miles. They, they just floated down the whole LA River and ended up there. <sighs> so there might have been even more people that were killed that were living up in the mountains because it was during the Depression and mm -hmm. poor people were just everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. So, but they might have just got buried in mud and they were never found. Oh my God. So there might be some homeless corpses up there if you're... Let's go digging. <laughs> Grab a shovel. Let's put out a fire and go dig up some corpses. <laughs> Light the lanterns. It's going to be a busy night. This surge... It changed the geography of the area itself. Mm -hmm. It was so bad, Woody Guthrie wrote a song about it. What's it called? It's called um, <laughs> This Land is Your Land. Oh, that's about that? No, it's, it's called the it's called like the LA New Year's Flood, something like that. Okay. Sing so, it. We're doing well, enough of that. <laughs> nice Bob Dylan. <laughs> it created a moonscape. Like it looked like the moon in the area. There was oh. looting everywhere, much like the riots. Mm -hmm. And strangely, a giant mastodon tusk, it got like churned up in the mountains and it ended up in town. Wow. Yeah. That's the only good thing to come of this. Is that sitting in the tar pits right now? That's how the tar pits were formed. <laughs> so after this, the city thought we should probably build stuff to prevent this sort of thing. <laughs> and they started to, but the construction wasn't even done before the next one hit, which was the night February 27th, 1938. It started to rain and then it stopped which people always get relieved by that, mm -hmm. and it's never the case. 
15 hours later, another storm hit, and then after a total five days, it had rained 10 inches in LA, which it doesn't seem so bad. Only meanwhile, in the mountains, it rained 32 inches. And then all this water rushed the LA River and it overflowed all over the city. A third of LA was flooded. A third of the whole city was flooded. The worst hit were Venice, Compton, Long Beach, and all of the valley. Eight square miles of Venice was sunk. Pedestrian bridges all over the city got washed away. That bridge that's on Lancashire over the LA River washed away. The path of the LA River, it got shifted slightly yet again. Uh More than 6,000 homes were destroyed or damaged. 144 people were killed. And worst of all, the Oscars got postponed. Oh my God. The nerve. We're in Alloy having to go home. She put a nice dress on. Don't they know that movies are more important than life? (laughs) So at the time, this was the fifth biggest flood in history. And the Devil's Gate Dam, it helped a lot, but the city realized that now it it needed to tame the LA River. And just a few months later, the mass channelization of it began. So this was the last of the truly horrible LA floods, because from then on, the LA River was the beautiful piece of concrete that it is now. <laughs> Plenty of floods and like have happened since then. September 25th, again, 1939. Happy birthday, it's me. It's a cursed, cursed day. <laughs> the only tropical storm known to have ever hit Southern California landed in Long Beach. People thought it was just really bad Santa Ana winds, mm-hmm. but it led to flooding in areas of downtown. 45 people died at land, 48 at sea. The confusion, because no one knew what was yeah. happening, it led to the creation of a weather forecast office in LA. The next big thing was in 1969 when over nine days LA got 13 inches of rain led to flooding and mudslides that killed 73 but the river was pretty safe (laughs) how's the river doing what's that where's the river (laughs) during this thing Brentwood got some serious mudslides Robert Altman got trapped in his house for more than a day Bobby yeah no one keeps Robert Altman in his house for more than a day (laughs) have you seen what he does in his house for more than a day (laughs) makes movies the only person to die in the Brentwood area was Michael Reardon who was the brother of future mayor Richard Reardon. That's the origin That's the story. story of Richard, of Reardon. Richard Reardon. It was the worst flood since 1938. And then just a month later after this, another storm hit and killed 18 more people. In 1978, La Crescenta got flooded again and 20 more people died. Oh 1983, six more were killed and flooding. Six more in 1992 and the Sepulveda Basin got flooded. There was some flooding earlier this year also, and surely wildfires are coming in our future. Everything that happened in the past was horrible, but there are a lot of scary things that are going to happen in the future. I would love to hear scary things that end bleak like a good zombie movie. Like all podcast shit. (laughs) If a tsunami, say, were to hit L.A., everything within a mile of the coast would be covered in water. Imagine something like that happening on any given summer day with how many people are on the beaches. And it could happen within minutes of an earthquake hitting pretty much anywhere in the Pacific Ocean. And the only way that we're prepared for this are a bunch of blue evacuation route scenes (laughs) that they put up in the tsunami zones in 2008. There have only actually been 14 tsunamis with waves higher than three feet that Mm -hmm. were seen along the California coast since 1812. But the constant development of the beachside areas without any provision for a disaster like this is very troubling. The next scary thing that is most likely to happen is sea levels rising, like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. In LA, the sea levels could rise up to two feet by 2050 and up Jesus. to 5.6 feet 
by 2100. If the levels do rise as much as expected, by 2100, a good number of our beaches will be permanently underwater, and a storm would aggravate this and have massive flooding in the Venice and Pacific Palisades area. The PCH could get flooded beyond salvation. Already, the sands of Venice beach have had to be replaced because of erosion that cost millions of dollars, and it's only going to get worse. In 2012, LA County had 41 million visitors that spent 16.5 billion in tourism, and our beaches are a huge part of that. So if we lose them, we have nothing. All we have is smog. (laughs) Step right up, folks. Come see Brown Haze. There's two power plants and two wastewater treatment plants on the coast Mm -hmm. that are just 10 feet above sea level. So the Hyperion wastewater treatment plant at Dockweiler, it's not at critical risk, but it would become a lot less efficient if sea levels rose. Terminal Island and San Pedro would be affected a lot more seriously. Scariest place in LA. (laughs) The Venice Collection sewage system pipe, which runs all along the coast to the Hyperion plant at Dockweiler, it could get constantly flooded and would lead to ruptures and sewage spews regularly. Just wow. sewage. Sewage everywhere. So the port of LA is seriously at risk, which is very bad considering that 40% of all the US's imports come through there. <laughs> and that oh in God. 2012, it took in $63 billion for California and $230 billion for the entire country. That could all be destroyed. Meanwhile, up in the mountains, since the average world temperature could go up as much as four to five degrees by 2050, the Mm -hmm. snow up there would melt a lot quicker, which would mean more rain rather than snow that would all come rushing into town via the L.A. River. And now the worst thing, the scariest thing that freaked me out during all this research, we all fear the big one. Rats. The big rat. The big rat. His name is Milo. (laughs) The big earthquake that we're all told every day before our mothers tuck us in for bed. Mm -hmm. Remember, Danny boy, the big one's coming. I might be dead in a couple hours. You don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows. You might not wake up. So tell me that you love me. We'll all be scratches on the Richter scale one day, kid. (laughs) What's that mean? I don't know. Sleep tight. (laughs) Don't let the rats bite. Sleep under your bed just in case the roof collapses. (laughs) But while we're all worrying and preparing for that, we're neglecting to prepare for something even more destructive that is just as likely to hit us. It's called the Ark Storm. Big A, big R, little K, storm. This is the big one of storms. Mm -hmm. They happen every couple hundred years or so. Geological testing has shown that such a thing like this has happened in the years 212, 440, 603, 1029, 1418, and 1605. That thing that happened in 1862 where the state was underwater, it wasn't even as bad as this is going to be. And predicting when this is going to happen is impossible. So it could happen any year and we'll only be able to guess that it might be coming a few days before it hits. Oh my God. And it's not just going to hit us, it's going to hit the entire West Coast. So Arc Storm, it stands for Atmospheric River 1000, big A, big R, little K for 1000. Do you get it? I don't get it. Do it again. So an atmospheric river, it's the monsoon sort of thing that fills up the Amazon River every year, which it's just like the sky opens and there's a river in the sky that falls on you. And this is going to have the power of a thousand. (laughs) There's going to be about a month of continuous rain with up to 10 feet of rainfall in some places. The rain level in some of the areas will be the amount only experienced every 500 to 1,000 years. Dams are going to overflow. Levees are not built to withstand what is going to going to hit them and they will crumble there's going to be massive flooding across the entire state for weeks a fourth of all homes in california will be flooded my house is gone oh, i'm at the bottom of two hills the first one. yeah it, ground zero <laughs> yeah. is your house in between all these other houses suddenly mine just 
slips away. You pour out a bottle of water and the evaporation <laughs> of that unleashes the storm. <laughs> San Francisco is gone. Yeah. No more San Francisco. It's all underwater. Why am I going to get my tomato soup in a bread bowl? Nowhere. Well, the bread will float down to us eventually. <laughs> in LA itself, 70% of the city will lose electricity. Uh. All of the beaches will be gone. San Pedro will be underwater almost completely. Marina del Rey in Venice will get it very hard. Yeah. Redondo Beach is gone. Santa yeah. Monica Pier is gone. Aquarium of the Pacific is gone. Octopuses everywhere. Oh, no, 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 no. Sea rats. <laughs> there will be landslides, Manhattan Beach, Hermosa, LAX. They're all going to be hit with big waves and flooding. Imagine LAX and there's waves hitting the planes the as it's taken off. And they turn into boats for some reason. Yeah, for some reason, they turn into boats. They use that, that uh, slide, the rubber slide. Yeah. They have to stay afloat. And it's likes it. I can't wait for the arc. It's going to force up to 1.5 million people to evacuate their homes within a few hours. Long Beach has some protection because it's facing south rather than west. Yeah. And it also has this like nine mile long barrier protecting it. The majority of flooding in LA, it'll be near the beaches, but there's going to be a long trail of water coming down from the mountains through East LA and Whittier, Downey, Compton, all the way to the port. Uh -huh. South LA is going to be very badly flooded. West Govina, badly flooded. A few spots in the valley will be hit pretty hard. The flood depths, it could be between 10 and 20 feet. Jesus. A lot of lives, tourism, history, art will be at risk. Luckily, Orange County is going to be hit the worst. <laughs> oh, no, they hit the van store. How many soup plantations did they take out? <laughs> it's going to make the uh, little the Finding Nemo ride at Disneyland a real adventure. <laughs> Finding Nemo, because that's the name of your dad. And <laughs> the wastewater treatment plants will be overwhelmed. Raw sewage and hazardous waste will just flow into the streets and eventually into the river, and that's going to stick around for a long time. The estimated damage is $400 billion, with another $325 billion in business lost for a total of about $725 billion in damages. Oh to compare that to the Hurricane Katrina, that costs about $105 billion in damages and $205 billion in business lost. So it's about... It's two and a half times worse than that. Yeah. Also, to compare the big earthquake that's supposed to hit us, it's going to cause just about $67 billion in damages. I don't have that kind of money. You have that kind of money? I don't have that kind of money. This will be the most expensive catastrophe in U.S. history, and L.A. gets to be a part of it. Oh, I can't wait. And the people that are warning us about this, they're the same people warning us about the big earthquake, so this isn't just some conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. You can sign up with L.A. County to send you warnings on your phone when something like this might be starting to happen, which isn't a bad idea. Because like the big earthquake, the arc storm is inevitable. And that's <laughs> been L.A. Meekly. <laughs> wacky, wacky. You know, you go ahead and sleep with a flame retardant life preserver, a flashlight with batteries, and a picture of a loved one, and it's sleep on a canoe tonight. Because <laughs> With a lot of water. A lot of water. And hide in like a bathtub or something with the, in case the house falls on you. <laughs> also, weird things just today have been happening in Venice. Nine people were struck by lightning today at Are the, you on serious? Venice Beach. There's really? like this weird storm passed. Like someone, it hit someone in Catalina and then it kept coming and it hit nine people with lightning in Venice Beach today. I don't know what's happening. That's incredible. Today was, I mean, it's been hot for the last like week. Like it's been muggy hot, but today was kind of cloudy. Yeah. I found a little mist. People said it was raining here and there. My hair People, was sticking on, sticking straight on up on end the whole yeah. day. You look thought, like, hmm, this isn't so weird. You look like Albert Einstein. I could get used to this. <laughs> you mean Albert Brooks? Yeah, Albert Brooks. Yeah. yeah. So that's been uh, Ali Bleakley. <laughs>
because it's bleak today. It's been a bleak episode. Out of all the things we've talked about that usually involve murder and bank robberies and stuff like that, somehow the weather. I, yeah, is I normally one. get off on hearing about people being murdered <laughs> and stuff like this, but this could happen to me. <laughs> My tender body. Have you seen this thing? I don't know how to swim. I don't know. How to, I don't know how to survive a fire. Imagine sharks will reign supreme on this city. Oh my god! And then rats will be riding the sharks because they run the show. Uh, leave a uh, re- review on iTunes, maybe. We oh, really that's a novel idea. Yeah, maybe how come we've we... never promoted that before. I don't know. Maybe people who listen to us might like us. Might want us to keep doing more of these. They might like our uh, mild banter. We get paid in gold stars on iTunes. Yeah. And so far, we have five. Make it rain, guys. Make it rain gold stars. I want to see a meteor shower on <laughs> iTunes. So, yeah, leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it. You can go uh, email us, ali.meekly at gmail.com. I still don't know if that's it. I think that's it. I think that's it. We have a blog going as well that corresponds with whatever we talk about, alimeekly.tumblr.com. We'll have pictures of bloated, drowned corpses. We took them ourselves. And we'll have lots of fun, exciting, schematic graphs of... Of the rising sea levels in the years to come. We have a lot of pie charts that you can eat. <laughs> it's a taste pie, pie chart. charts that taste like real apples. Let's have a moment of silence for all the cattle that were drowned in this episode. Moo, 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 moo. Any last fears for the future? Swamp rats. My house is half rubble right now. Like, it's going to take like a mild storm, maybe a meekly storm to knock it down. I'm also afraid of burning up and never seeing water again. I'm finally glad that I'm justified in uh, buying a boat that I can live on forever. They all laughed in the middle at of the you. street. Yeah, they, they laughed at me laugh. when I built that ark. All of those heathens. But I'll show them. Pagans, heathens, all of them. Sinners, sodomizers, <laughs> immigrants. Let's not forget the communists. They start fires in cursed parks, by the way. Um, for this thank you for terrifying me. I'm scared of the Ark. You're welcome. Oh, by the way, an Ark isn't going to withstand the Ark. And on that note, that's been L.A. Meekly blaming it on the Japanese since 2013. Have a good night. Thank you, America. <laughs> I mean, Los Angeles. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> God.